Welcome to a very special edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Andrew Jr. here with The Athletic. And Jay is, of course, on vacation somewhere with his shirt off and is dreaming of the days of his mullet, listening to some Def Leppard with his feet deep in the sand, considering probably throwing some sand at some young children or something. The type of things that Jay does. Uh, we say that lovingly, or at least certainly that he did in the 80s. Um, hopefully this time without any of the drugs that were involved then for him. But we have, repla- we have a replacement who I believe are, at least for the moment now, definitely quite sober and uh, and certainly able to talk uh, intelligently on a number of different topics. One of them that includes one that is often brought up here, and that is eating conies. But the question is, eating them in mass quantity, if that's healthy, <laughs> if that's safe, if it was even done. I have Jeremy Rowe and Joe Daneman of Fox 19, who, you know, I go on their show all the time, and every time when I leave, it's, hey, if you ever need us for anything, just let us know. This seemed like the perfect time to cash in that ticket. But if you, haven't put, if you don't catch up their – if you don't check out their work, you are missing out – big time they are they kill it better than anybody in the city i i always i I always admire you know there is no person who is connected to cincinnati sports doing something that they have not already talked to and have a story up on it always uh going through their twitter feeds is inspiring to be honest they're all over everything joe jeremy what's up welcome back to growling jeremy i don't did you have you been on before joe i know you have Jeremy, you had to you missed out. Oh, that's offensive. You had to dip out on me. No, no. Listen, I'm I'm just happy to be here, guy. Um, <laughs> li- <laughs> that's an inside joke among the writers that cover the Bengals. I was told once. Listen, I was on one of them. I missed one, but I believe a couple of years ago, Joe, you and I sat in the the little VIP room yes. or whatever it is at Paul Brown Stadium and did it with PDJ. And at the time, uh, we made some sort of bull prediction. I probably said something about the Bengals winning more than they should have, and they didn't. But thank you for allowing me back on. I kind of feel like I'm Lloyd Christmas walking down the streets of Aspen with the big IOU sign. 250000 that's a big one. That's how much we owe Paul for the so many times yes. he's come on our show. So this is us cashing in one of those little IOUs from Lloyd Christmas. Yeah, as long as, uh, as long as um, you know, I'm not like Petey the bird in this one. You know, I just don't. <laughs> Pretty bird. I, Billy and 4C. Billy and yeah. 4C. He performs miracles, man. Yeah. Uh, I do have some some very specific Bengals-related stuff I want to get to off the jump. And then I want to talk a little bit about, and I think where where you guys have a lot of good insight on in particular having really dipped into all of these leagues is they is is the ramp up of these leagues and what we're seeing about how they get pulled off what that means for the NFL what that means for the Bengals there's a lot of really interesting discussions in how all of these different leagues are approaching it and how the Cincinnati teams have seen some pluses and minuses in that regard um so I do want to get on that and then we we of course I I am going to have to have a long conversation about Joe's mixtapes which are it is I never had more respect for a man after after a Twitter post than I did off the, the tweet of Joe's mixtape collection from his early days. And I've got a few questions regarding that. Uh, we'll talk about the Coney challenge and a few other surprises. But I want to start with this. 
Um, we, a little bit of Bengals news off the top, and and it's sort of the AJ Green situation comes to a head this week. July fifteenth is the deadline, franchise tag uh, to get a long term deal done. We we've talked about this ad nauseum. I mean, I feel like it's been like a year and a half of us discussing this and the pros and cons or whatever, and we kind of come to the point now where it is no one's under the expectation that anything's going to get done. That, as far as I know, and I've heard, that's the same as it has been there playing out the franchise tag for this year and then hitting free agency after this year. That's where this thing's going to – it's it's in best interest of both teams, I would say, uh, both sides. I mean, A.J. needs to go out and play and play well and hit free agency, and the Bengals need him to go play and play well to prove to, – to give them that number one receiver for this year, and maybe they figure something out in the long term. I'm going to ask you guys – what you, what have you made of this entire saga? I once called AJ Green the most Teflon athlete in Cincinnati. He just, everyone universally loved him. He was just great. Even though he even if he he struggled in big games, nobody talked about that. They talked about Dalton or or AJ. There's just nothing he could do wrong. Do you think that Teflon shield has come off of AJ throughout this process? I'll start. Um, you know what? I think this has been interesting because PDJ, your point for a long time, you know, Joe and I have talked about, we've had conversations after interviews thinking about some of the most bizarre moments in AJ Green's career. Uh, Paul, I'm pretty sure you were there in Jacksonville. What happened with Jalen Ramsey? When we walk in the locker room and we're thinking, holy cow, AJ Green's waiting there after what happened right before halftime to talk to all of us. And you think of moments like that where this is a guy who's a superstar in the league. And at training camp one time he said to me, can I not do the interview today? Is that okay? I said, dude, you're AJ Green. And so not only does he have this rapport with the fans, but he has it with the media. And then you look at what has happened, not just the injuries, but how last year played out, as you talked about. I think it has, um, I think it has dented his shield a little bit. But here's the thing about AJ Green. As you talked about where a lot of the blame and some of the, the rough times with the Bengals or they'd have a great season and a bad ending wasn't placed on AJ Green, I think still, because I, I, I think because of who he's been and the legacy he has here, if he comes out and let's just say he has a good three or four games and is trending back towards the guy that we once knew could play and still ball – I think all of the week-to-week nonsense we had to deal with all season long last year and the couple of years in a row now of injuries, I think that can be forgiven and healed really quickly with the fans. I mean, as the media, A.J. Green owes us nothing. But for the fans, I think it can actually be reversed pretty quickly, as much as I think there has been damage done in the past year or so. For me, I've always looked at A.J. Green as the human form of the city of Cincinnati, that he's – Big city looks, big city talent, small town personality, that he's always fit this city so well. Not only a great football player, but also kind of fits the personality of the city he's played in. So that's why I think he's always kind of been on that pedestal of untouchable. But I do agree with Jeremy. I think he's taken some dings at his Teflon shield because of the situation. I think AJ has to get it out of his own head that he is still a top five, top eight, maybe top 10 receiver. Can he still have that one renaissance year and prove that? Perhaps. Perhaps that's this year. But when you're on the wrong side of 30, you're on the wrong side of not playing games, you're on the wrong side of the sideline sitting out on the bench so much these last couple of years, I think A.J. has to recalibrate in his own head who he is, what he's going to be going forward, 
and if he's going to do that in Cincinnati, look, he's been on the record. He's not going to sit out and not take the $18 million check to play here under the franchise tag. No one would do that. So A.J. Green's going to play regardless. But his future in Cincinnati, I think he needs to recalibrate who he is and what he's going to be going forward because in his mind, he'll tell you he still thinks his best football is ahead of him. And it's not. It's just not. That's just not the way the human body works, especially playing that position in this league. So A.J. has to recalibrate who he's going to be, and I think that's an important part of what this year is going to look like. This could be his one last renaissance year, or is it the year he realizes he's no longer top five, top seven, top ten A.J.? Well, the really interesting thing about it to me is we've now heard him talk so much. He's a guy who's kind of known for not really wanting to say much. He's just let his play do the talking, but he hasn't played. And so he's talked a lot and because people have wanted to hear his opinion a lot. And it's turned into him talking a lot and not really having much left to do but play. He, I don't want to hear about how many games they could have won last year, and I don't want to hear about you know what would have been different and how he can he's still that guy and whatever. He's got nothing left. His his track record is is untouchable for what he did his first eight years. No one's gonna talk about that. The bottom line is though we're talking about your future, and you have had these injuries. Only one thing left to do. He's got to just go play. He has to play. And he has to go prove whatever he is. He has to reestablish his next level. That's, I agree with your point, Joe. It's like you have to recalibrate. But for him, it, there's no way to – you can't talk your way into recalibration. He needs to go play and reestablish who he is and prove it. And that's the and thing. That's the, that, that's the point. He's got to prove who he is. He says he's great, but he's got to go prove it because we haven't seen it in so long. I feel like he's felt he's had to defend himself. And the only way he can defend himself is by talking. And the more you talk, the more sometimes you dig yourself your own hole of just trying to almost make people believe you are something you aren't or make people believe you are something you are. And I'm not sure he really knows who he's going to be going forward. I think he knows what he wants to be. I think he knows what he used to be, and he hopes he can still be that person. But let's be real. He's not going to be the guy who's going to go out and produce like DeAndre Hopkins next year or produce like some of the other great wide receivers in the NFL. Again, maybe he has that one renaissance year. Maybe the tread is still left on the tires because he hasn't played in a couple of years, at least a full season. Uh, but I, I do wonder the fact that AJ has had the feeling that he has to defend himself almost is out of character. It, it seems like it's out of character. He always let his game speak for himself. Um, he did stuff with the media reluctantly even though he's always been available. But now he's kind of felt like he's had to say these things. And I wonder if he's talked himself into a corner here about what he thinks he is and what he thinks he can be going forward. Yeah. I mean, let's just be let's just be honest about it. I mean, you talked about reestablishing who he is. A.J. Green, look across the league. He's not top five, top seven anymore. And I was asking you this question, Joe, a couple of years ago, um, where he was and where he is now. I mean, this has changed a lot. But – part of reestablishing himself is obviously being healthy. I mean, us seeing him run a route and land on his foot, toe, ankle without wincing is going to be a big step forward. I mean, not him wincing, us thinking like this, what's going to happen? Is he going to fall? Is his foot going to hurt? Is his toe going to hurt? Is his ankle going to bother him? That's something that everyone's thinking now. And he's been attached to this for a long time. And quite frankly, sat out the second half of last season, Ryan Finley was named the starter and a weird flip happened. It was like A.J. Green's coming back, Ryan Finley's starter, and it's like A.J. Green's like, no, I'm good. 
and that taints his reputation as well. And I wonder, obviously it has to do with health, but I wondered as a guy like Joe Burrow, some of that excitement of a new number one overall quarterback coming in reinvigorate AJ somewhat and give, not that he needs, you know, not, not that he needs any kind of extra juice to be willing to go out and play. I think AJ wants to do that, but does his, does it help him lift off for another couple of years where can be a really good receiver? There's, there's three things with that that I want to dive into. And it is one, Joe Burrow is the only, well, first of all, Joe, you can start every sentence. Joe Burrow is the only hope for the Bengals, but Joe Burrow is the only hope for the Bengals and AJ Green's future. I don't see, it's hard to see a scenario where AJ Green goes into free, is a free agent and just opts to come back here if him and Joe Burrow don't form some sort of nice connection this year. If Burrow doesn't start to show that he could be a real guy and really could take AJ Green to a Super Bowl in Bengals stripes or, or whatever that is, some real promise, he's not going to want to come back here. I think AJ will would rather go somewhere else, Atlanta, whatever, where he lives, whatever it is. Who knows? Um, in my opinion. The other side of that is be, the one part of the franchise tag is AJ is not under contract right now because he hasn't signed the tag. He doesn't have he's he doesn't have to report. Is AJ gonna get in his head again over money stuff and over health stuff like we saw all last year? And is it gonna be like you know the Monday before the opener and AJ rolls in he with his piece of paper? Oh, I signed it. Here I go. I'm ready to play now. Or is he going to show up at the beginning of camp? It's the question. The only question really remaining with all of this: Will he show up at the beginning of camp and say, "Man, I need to get to know Joe Burrow. I got to form this connection. I care about winning games here." Or, and I don't, you know, I don't. I credit him either way. This is the guy who laid on the turf that awful fourteen-year-old unwashed turf in Dayton last year because he decided to practice during camp without an extension. Saying I'm not going to make that same mistake again, I don't. I wouldn't blame him, right? But we will learn more about how much money is in his head when we see when he does report this year. Heck, he technically he has till week ten. I mean, if he wants to collect all eighteen mil, he needs to be here by week one. But technically, to get his accrued season, he needs to be here by week ten. Remember that from the Le'Veon Bell fiasco a couple years ago. So what? How in his head will he be over the money stuff? Over worrying about his own health over all of that and how much will he say I just need to go play I, that's what that's the next thing that we're all going to go oh by the way doing all this during a pandemic but you know that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch develop it's hard to psychoanalyze somebody that's by nature quiet and AJ's always been that way but here we are psychoanalyzing you know the biggest star uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have had in a long time and I, I wonder, and I'm speaking out loud here to you guys, almost in a, in a question, is when did AJ change with this? What, what, what prompted AJ? And we've seen, I don't want to say it's a personality change, but at least it's been more of a business change with AJ these last couple of years, talking about money and talking about these kinds of things that we're not used to. And look, he's always been taken care of here in Cincinnati, so that's certainly part of it. But the AJ that we knew, the first seven, eight years of his career was the guy who would go out of his way to help a new quarterback, who would go out of his way to connect with other players on the team to make sure they're getting what they have to get done in the offseason so they can show up day one and go out there and perform the way they want to, like 
if AJ was in the normal headspace we're used to seeing him, and of course if the world was in the normal place that we're used to being in, he would have connected with Joe Burrow by now and gone out and done something. That's the AJ that I expect. Um, I'm not sure if this is the AJ that used to do those kinds of things. And for whatever reason, and that's fine, it's a business, he's got to get paid. Um, I'm not critiquing him for that kind of thing. I'm just observing that he's different in that way. And I'm curious what has changed with AJ Green. Has it been the injuries? Has it been the age? Has it been the, the lack of what he perceives as a commitment from the Bengals that he's changed the way he's kind of approached these kinds of things? Because I can see that scenario of him walking in and saying, here I am, let's play. Not going to work trying to change things around. And I think in his mind, maybe he thinks it can work that way because he's always done it the way he's done it. But the way he's always done it has not been this way. So I've, I've kind of seen AJ's personality change a little bit. I'm curious what people think is the reason why it's changed. I mean, how much of a shame would it be to think about this AJ Green guy who, Paul, you talked about as being Teflon, who has done so much for the city, whether or not he got him to a playoff win, obviously is going to be a little bit of part of that legacy. But to think about what he's done and then to see on the back end here, these last few years, I mean, this is a guy who didn't play all last year. He had less than 700 yards receiving in 2018. I mean, you can go back. I mean, going back to 2016, he's had one 1,000-yard receiving season. And that's just not A.J. Green. That's not the guy that we knew up to that point. And can you imagine if he somehow – and this isn't answering your question, Joe, but can you imagine if somehow he did sit out – and then he tries to come, you know, at the end of training camp, whatever he might do right before the season. It takes all this time to get him right. It doesn't really work. And that's the end of A.J. Green in Cincinnati. I mean, how would A.J. Green be viewed if that's how things played out? And I think that's, in his mind, something that he has to battle with. I think to answer your question, Joe, I think it is the injuries because you get to a point where you start thinking, okay, I've got to get mine while I still can. And I'm sensing a lot of – vulnerability and who I am as a player. He may not say that publicly. I don't know why he would, unless he's John Ross who tells us everything he's thinking every second. Um, <laughs> but AJ Green wouldn't say that, right? But he feels that vulnerability. How could you not looking at his injuries and his stats uh, as it relates to those injuries? And now he's thinking, okay, this could be close to the end for me. I can't admit that, but he's got to keep saying he's the best and still try to get that money. But the problem is the catch 22 of that is, I think he has to show up for training camp. He has to be 100% all in with this team, with Joe Burrow. Otherwise, the way A.J. Green is going to be viewed in Cincinnati, I think, will change dramatically if it doesn't slide a little bit towards the positive this year. Well, the problem is, and not to cut you off, Paul, is, is to follow up on that. You talk about not admitting that. I think A.J. isn't even admitting that in his own head, that he's not the person yeah. he used to be. And I think right. that's the big problem here is that he's not accepting that he's changed and that players do change at this age, that he still can be a productive football player, could be a good football player, but still just not be one of the best football players. I think he's got to understand that and come to grips with that and not just admit it publicly. He's got to admit it to himself. He's got to understand he's different. He's not. One 1,000-yard receiving year since 2016, 2020. You're not that guy. You just aren't. You can't be. And I think that's fine. I think you've got to recalibrate again who you are. I think everybody, whatever business it is, has to recalibrate what they are as they get older, as they can't keep up with younger people who are innovative, different, and more talented than A.J. Green. I don't think there's anybody more talented than A.J. Green in the league, but they're younger, and so they just have more ability. 
This is a guy who has been step for step and compared with Julio Jones at, since he was 15 years old. They have they came out together. They came they were the one and two wide receiver prospects going out of high school. They got their contracts at the same time. And Julio stayed healthy these last couple of years and got 22 mil. And Atlanta views him as his future is still ahead of him and he's still great. And if you're A.J. Green, why would you think that I'm not still great when this guy, he thinks he's better than Julio Jones, and I would make an argument for a long time he was. And so you're thinking, I'm supposed to say to myself that I'm not as good as Julio Jones. I just have had this bad string of luck of injuries. The problem is... He's never been in a position where he couldn't just go prove it on the field. And it's forced him to have to speak out and talk more about stuff. And it's caused all of this. And I do think AJ gets, I think AJ is a smart businessman. His, he has a smart team around him. And he does, where I, from my seat, in my opinion, has gotten his head about money stuff. He did the first time around. Uh, it was a big deal about being the highest paid receiver, and he ended up getting that. And I think he's been in his head about it since last year, since since everything went down here and, and dealing with all of last season's stuff. And I don't blame him. It's, it, it, I think when you become older in this league, you're no longer rah-rah, let's go team guy because you realize team don't care about you. They don't. <laughs> and he's seen it happen to – he saw it happen to Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. He saw it happen to every player that's come through here. Find me a Bengal star of the last 50 years, and I'll find you a guy who fought with the team over money. Anthony Munoz got into it with the team over money back in the 80s. Okay, this is, <laughs> this is as much a part as being a star of the Bengals as wearing the helmet. Okay, like that's just part of it. And AJ's a part of this, too. And this is his time where the him and the team kind of get at odds over this stuff. And I'm not necessarily saying the Bengals are the only team like this. They're just notable that that is always a part of the DNA around here. Uh, But I I think he sees himself as a smart businessman and wants to feel like he's getting what he deserves. And he still feels like he is a great player. And to say, oh, I'm not – I, that's I don't think a guy who's wired like that can do that very easily. But I think, and I've seen this with other sports and other players. I think Derek Jeter signed a really big contract near the end of his career. It's like, are you signing for what you deserve or are you signing for what you've earned? Because you'll see guys at the end of their career almost be given Kobe Bryant got it. Kobe Bryant got a massive contract at the end of his career. He was no longer deserving of that kind of money, but he had earned it for what he had done for the Lakers winning five championships. So, and and, I, and to that point, the point you made about Julio, I think AJ should be stubborn. He should be stubborn about the fact that I am one of the best in the league. I should view myself as one of the best in the league because I've been that guy and I still believe I can be that guy. And that's fine for him to believe that, and go forward with that thought as being stubborn about it. I can still perform at that level. However, do we really think he can? Do we really think he can? If you're the Bengals, are you really going to invest the kind of money in it thinking he might be able to do that? I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't want to pay A.J. Green the Julio Jones kind of money, knowing what we've seen the last few years. I mean, they'll, they'll give him 18 for one and see what it looks like. And I don't, and I don't blame him. That's why I think this was always the path 
that they should end up with. I want to switch gears real quick and talk about watching all these leagues start up. We're seeing the NFL and NFLPA are now in conversations about, okay, there are going to be any preseason games. The PA doesn't want that. They need this long run-up to avoid Achilles injuries and all this other stuff. From what you guys have watched watching now MLS and MLB go through this, do you do you think the NFL has learned lessons do you think the NFL has an advantage or a disadvantage? Or, or, or what do you, you learn from watching the other leagues all try to do this NBA as well? Well, I think the NFL has a disadvantage just on the actual sport. The physiology of the sport itself may, puts them at a disadvantage over certainly Major League Baseball and even Major League Soccer to an extent. And point two being the disadvantage is right now we're seeing Major League Soccer function okay we've had some teams back out of the MLS's back tournament but being in that bubble has been able to at least for FC Cincinnati we can talk about them they've been able to stay healthy and compete so that's worked so far we're going to see the NBA competes compete is that a real we can say they compete compete. a loose term they yeah, showed they played up. a game they played a game they showed players. up healthy how about that <laughs> that's a win in itself yeah it but is. we're watching major league baseball right now and again you know, we talked to David Bell about this yesterday, and David Bell talked about how it's been the best part of camp is how well the team has done so far with these health and safety protocols. He said it's starting to feel normal. It will never be normal. It's abnormal. This whole thing is unique. It's abnormal. They get that. But it's starting to feel normal, and that's what gives him optimism that Major League Baseball can pull this off. The, the closer we get to opening day, the more confident I am that Major League Baseball – is going to put together some kind of functional season. There might be times when one team has to say, listen, we've got six guys on our roster with COVID-19. We're taking a week off. We're bouncing out. And whatever teams they were going to play, those two teams are just going to have to play six or seven less games. And I think going forward, and this is a little bit off topic, but I think with every sport, whether it be Major League Baseball, the NBA, MLS, and this might be, dip into college football too. I'm not sure about the NFL because the NFL just kind of feels like it's on a different level with this shield. I know that's kind of a bad word to use here, but they kind of feel like they have the shield around them. Like nothing can penetrate us. We are coronavirus, um, you know, ready for whatever they come at us. But I do feel like these major leagues all have to look at this as taking the competitive value out of what they want to do and just putting teams out there to play games and entertain and see what happens that, yeah, maybe some teams play seven or eight games more than the others. And you got to find out a way if you're going to have a playoff that eh, say the Reds play 59 games and the Cardinals play 52 games. That's all they could do. How are we going to figure out which team goes to the playoffs, be creative, be adaptable. And I think if the NFL can take that lesson going forward of watching what these teams are doing, and watching how it's going to play out before they actually start their season. Because this is going to happen. Teams are going to miss games. It's already happened in Major League Soccer. Teams are going to miss games in the NBA. Teams are going to miss games in Major League Baseball. That's not going to shut down the league. It can't shut down the league just because one or two teams has an outbreak. They have to understand that you keep plowing through and you keep playing games and you recalibrate or adapt to your competitive balance going forward that is the solution. That's the lesson I think the NFL has to look at going forward, what these teams are going to be able to do. Let me just say this to start. If you are fatalism guy, if you are doomsday guy or girl, get off my lawn. 
don't come near don't don't come near my lawn because i have had just about enough of a lot of people in our line of work saying well oh, that's it there, yeah, there's no season not gonna happen here's what i have learned here's what i've learned in watching everything return i know nascar is so very different and i know you didn't mention that but nascar said okay we're gonna figure out a way to do this they took out practices they took out every, basically you drive up to the starting line and you race and that's how they did it and they're making it work um golf is making it work without fans and then little by little everyone else is trying to make this work and everything seems to have like joe talked about a lot there's going to be little things you have to adapt to and change with along the way major league soccer has figured out how to make it work albeit a couple of setbacks i understand now baseball and this is going to sound strange but being at the ballpark every day I know it's really, really bizarre the way they're doing it, but if you just sit there uh, like Joe and I have in the stands and you watch them scrimmage, how normal does it feel, Joe? I mean, right. honestly, it's it's you think from the outside looking in, and I keep hearing that, like, uh, you know, some guys say there's not going to be a season, this is not going to work, your guys are going to get coronavirus. Yeah, some guys have gotten coronavirus, and, you know, then they come out of it, they do their quarantine and they're back in the game. And what we're watching at great American ballpark right now, I'm telling you, I know this is bizarre. It is the most normal thing you could have. Here's what I will say. If you find a way like major league baseball did, they had this more than 70 pages guidelines on how it was going to have to work. And how are you going to do all these things? I'm going to tell you right now, guys spit sometimes a lot, Jay, more than sometimes (laughs) a lot. you, You have to understand this is like going into What's a good comparison? I was a kid that got in trouble a lot in school. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was ornery, okay? There are guidelines that are set before you, and if you break those guidelines, you get a demerit, you get a whatever you want to call it, right? Ornery. Ornery. I'm still ornery. <laughs> yeah, so baby. <laughs> there, are these, there are these guidelines, and you're like, how could you possibly follow those? It's not going to work. You know, how can, how can five-year-old Jeremy Rao follow all these guidelines? He'll get kicked out of school one day. I never got kicked out of school, okay? I, I followed most of the guidelines and it worked out, but the guidelines were there even as ridiculous as they seemed to my, my, my young self. It's the same way with a lot of professional sports. Now you're going to have all these crazy guidelines. The NFL saying you got to wear these special face masks and you can't exchange jerseys after the game. You know what? Some guys might do. They might go back in the tunnel afterwards and exchange the Jersey. Anyhow, no one's going to know about it. And so be it. Just get the guys on the field. Okay. Try to follow the protocols as best you can. Things are going to happen, but it absolutely can work, and you absolutely can adapt. And don't tell me that it can't work because it's working so far in every sport, I think. And I think the word try is the most important word here because we were sitting in April and March and just like, we just want to watch sports on TV. That's all we want. We just want to see something live without a script. We don't know the ending to And I think the word try here is the most important word, not only for the leagues, just to try. Just, just try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you tried. Also, point B being, we're watching the Reds. We're watching Major League Baseball. These guys are trying. They're, they're doing the health and safety protocols. You know, they are. Yeah, they are. They're spitting, yeah. whatever. We knew that wasn't going to be policed. How do you enforce something like that? They're going to do that. But you watch guys, and they're distant. They're masks when it's time to wear masks. Elbows. There's elbows. There's no high fives. Yeah. Yesterday, Scott Shevel hit a home run, and they're all doing fake high fives as they're coming around the bases kind of thing. They're trying. And yeah. I think that's all you can ask for as a sports fan is that these guys give you that honest effort. And, yeah, they're trying to get paid. They're trying to make their money. So when you get these guys into the point where 
they're in the building, the health and safety protocols have been laid down, they become part of their routine, I think you're going to see guys, once they get into that routine, into that so-called, even if it's not a bubble like the NBA or Major League Soccer, but you get into the routine of going to the building, understanding the new protocols, understanding this is the time you go here, you go where, and the NFL is going to be different, college football is going to be different because it's such a physical contact sport. Guys are spitting and breathing and bleeding on top of each other. That's different than what we're dealing with with other sports. But I think if you get guys in an environment, a structured environment, where they are given protocols and it's drilled in every single day and they keep doing it and it becomes more normal, it's not going to be normal, but it can be somewhat normal and it can start to feel like routine. I think you're going to see guys be able to be successful with something like this going forward as long as they don't go for takeout like Reshawn Holmes of the Sixers. <laughs> Dude, just eat the hotel food that for is three going, days. The thing is like, that is going to have – the amount of people that the NFL is going to be trying – to keep without without a bubble, you're gonna have 50 plus guys plus practice squad plus everybody else. And I mean, it it's gonna be super. Chi- I think that I certainly think. And the difference between you know, you mentioned college football a couple of times. The difference is these guys are all trying to collect checks. Yeah, these guys are trying to make a living. They're trying to make money. College are kids in school, student athletes, right? <laughs> so it's a way different ball game asking kid to go out there and play for his school for free and make money for the university uh, on it, you know, and put his body out there on the line than it is for, you know, AJ Green to go play and make $18 million. Yeah. It's a very different You're ball right. game to, t- to go across. All football certainly is more tricky. Yeah. yeah but I, I do think I, I'm with you. I think these leagues, you know, there's got, you've got to find some sort of comfort with pushing through this is these are going to happen. We're going to deal with it this way. We're going to replace the players this way. We're going to quarantine them like this, and that's how this is going to operate. Period. And just go through with that until until anything change, until things change, and hopefully change for the better. You know, knock on wood. Um, far less serious. I want to. I want to. Uh, let me run past your boot you real quick because I you know we like to play run past your boot on here. You have. Um, Run pass or boot most likely to complete their entire season. Major League Baseball, NBA, or the NFL. Joe, who do you run pass or boot with on those? Okay, so take me through the rules here of run pass or boot. You run with it is what you think most likely. You pass with it next most likely, and you're booting what is the least likely. So most likely to complete their season. Major League Baseball, the NBA, or the NFL run pass or boot. I'm going Major League Baseball run, pass on the NBA, boot on the NFL, but it's a lot closer than you think. I think Major League Baseball is going to be fine. I think I really do. I think Major League Baseball is the most conducive to one team skipping a week, saying we're good, we'll come back when everybody's healthy in a couple of weeks, and they can still do winning percentage because 60 games, even though it's not 162, it's still – such a big number i'm going to go pass on the nba because i think the bubble is going to work i really do think the bubble is going to work in the nba and i'm going to go boot on the nfl just because the nfl and football just innately is so difficult to control the virus with the amount of physicality around guys although that comes with the caveat the nfl is like the hell of it we're gonna do it baby it doesn't matter what you throw in front of us we're playing out Never doubt the NFL's <laughs> rel- just oh. willingness to p- always pull forward. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
Joe, you, you, okay. You, do you agree? You Jeremy? surprised me. No, I don't agree. I'm a little off. Um, in general in life, I'm a little off, but, um, I will say run on major league baseball. They absolutely will play the season. I think, um, I would put my next 10 cheese conies on that. That'll come later. <clears throat> Nine. Nine point seven. Okay. Okay. Uh, so run on major league baseball. I will pass on the NFL and I will boot on the NBA. Now, let me just tell you about the NBA. I've had, ju- <laughs> I've had just about enough of the laying of snacks on a bed and saying, this is the food they're giving us from NBA players. Um, John Morant is the goat. John Morant is the goat for calling out these prima donnas and saying, boys, let's just play some ball, get it together. I think that the NBA will find someone along the way Lord knows Kyrie Irving's going to come out and say, hey, listen, the world's still flat. I've got an opinion that's going to try and shake the things up. Um, I just don't like the, the mental mindset a lot, of, a lot of the NBA guys have, and it bothers me – not bothers me. It concerns me is the correct word when it comes to them actually playing all the way through and finishing everything. I feel like in the NFL, the reason why I say pass on the NFL, Roger Goodell. And you already alluded to that, Joe, but it's, it's Roger Goodell. It's the fact that I feel like the NFL is so in line with so many things, not just sports, politics, money, business. It is such a power. And I know these other sports are as well, but the NFL is different, man. And I think that's why somehow it finds a way. I would, I would agree. I, I'm, I'd agree with you, Jeremy. I think the NFL is, is going – now, complete the season – I don't know if I'm counting that as a 14 game season, because I think the, I think you have a good chance of them ditching a couple of weeks, ditching weeks three and four, and doing that whole hitting the trapdoor switch that they've got available to them. But crown a champion games. somehow, complete a season and crown a champion. Yeah, basically okay. as set forth, I would count 14 games. But it, so under that, I think I think the I have MLB for I'll, I'll agree with you MLB being first, and then I would I'll go NFL and then NBA. I'll, I'll boot NBA just because. I'm still concerned. And Adam Silverman, I credit him, but he has been ahead of this from day one and not afraid to hit the button. Not afraid to do the bold move. Uh, he did it in the, in the beginning. You could see him doing it uh, if things got crazy again. I do think he has the, you know, his players' thoughts and health at, at uh, you know, at the top of his head. Okay, more importantly, you mentioned the Coney's. The number 9.7 was mentioned. You, <laughs> You you took the ten Coney challenge, Jeremy. And why? First of all, why did you decide to do this? Do you, is there? Did you lose? Did you lose a bet? Was it a mental imbalance thing? Like what? Why did you decide to take the ten Coney challenge? And let's go ahead and relay what happened when you when you took it. Was it a mental imbalance yes. thing? No, it's it's a mental imbalance when I take a picture of Hude with his head off, yeah. or I take a picture <laughs> of. <laughs> Or I take a picture of Mike Brown watching practice by a heat blower, and and Paul Danner Jr. says, "You just like to watch the world burn, it's don't the truth. you?" Um, it, that's a mental imbalance. Yeah. No. Okay. What, the, the ten best. coney challenge is ten conies in ten minutes. No. In 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 one sitting. In one sitting, and let me pop in here, and I'll let Jeremy tell his story because this uh, is his moment. Okay. The ground rules were somewhat blurred a little bit. You know, they weren't exactly black and white. It was 
can you eat 10 cheese conies in a normal Skyline sitting? Which we both established was, what about 20 minutes when you're at Skyline? It's about 20 minutes. I know you're going to talk. You're going to talk. Uh, so that was the amount of time laid down. And then Jeremy started this challenge, and then the times changed. But carry on. Okay. Quick backstory. Joe and I have argued back and forth for years. Yeah. I would say two to three years that I've said I can do 10 cheese conies. No big deal. And Joe says, "You, I worked there. I had my hands buried deep in that chili. I crafted that chili. Yeah, um, your you're out of your fingernails. And you can yes. Smell it, like man. Joe used to take a vat of chili home and cuddle with it. He loved the chili. <laughs> and so Joe has told me you were concentrate just right there under my pillow. <laughs> we're off the rails. Joe said you are out of your mind. You absolutely cannot and will not eat 10 cheese conies. And we got to a point about a week ago where I slammed my hand on the desk. I stood up in the newsroom and said, next Friday, I'm doing it. And so that was it, PDJ. That was the, I, I'm competitive enough that I had enough of Joe's nonsense that I went out. And Joe even said, as I walked out the door, listen to me, he goes, you really want to spend money on 10 cheese conies just for this? Like in the middle of your workday, early in your workday. And I said, yes, I absolutely do. Because I need to allow time for my, the aftermath to develop itself, <laughs> to put it nicely. And <laughs> still make it on set by 11 yeah, o'clock. That's, that's, what I, that's what I want to know was, was so, when you, how many different options were you considering for time? Because it's like, there's a, you know, you, do you, do you worry about, you didn't want to be able to not sleep. No, I couldn't up all night, but you, you know, do you, you don't want to be on set. Do you just was, do it first thing when you wake up in the morning, do you consider a no. breakfast Coney bender? I was, I was adamant. All I'd had just drop something. All I'd had that day was salad basically. And I was adamant with Joe that I had to do it. Joe knows. I was like, I got to go now. Like I was adamant. I had to do it at three 30 or whatever it was. And so I, I do it at three 30. I eat all of that. I got through five and it was like, you know, you can watch the video I'm it's, it was cool. Five and five minutes. I was cruising. I got through about seven and 20 minutes and that was what we had agreed upon. And I asked the producers in the room with me, who were like making sure I was doing it right to go out and ask Joe for 30 minutes. Because if you're on a date and you're trying to woo a girl at Skyline, which happens, I'm sure a lot, you need, <laughs> <laughs> you need 30 minutes. You don't you minutes. for a sitting? Not that you would eat 10 cheese conies in front of a girl or a guy, but no, I was going to say, is this, is this how you, are you recommending this is how guys should try to pick up girls is take them to Skyline? And, I re-met my girls. wife at Skyline. I re-met her at Skyline. So there you go. You can move a girl at Skyline. Okay. So it's a, it, it was moved. This, the, the, the goalposts were moved to 30 minutes. That's fine. I got to 28 and a half. I was at nine and I knew it was taking me so much um, it was taking so much out of me to try to eat these things that I had to just shove it in or I was not going to make the 30 minutes and I wasn't going to go down without getting 10 in my mouth. And so Megan, the producer <laughs> said, Megan, the producer said, just get it done. Just find a way. And so you see at the end of the video, I had to mute it because it's terrifying. I shoved the last one in and because my gag reflexes were like on red alert when it got in there there was a complete gag reflex and it was game over. So that's why it's tough to say if it was 10 or not, but I'm still really proud of myself because I never thought when I got through the sixth one, I would get anywhere close to 10. I have yet to take the gloves off and come fully honest with Jeremy on this one, because the day of, I felt for him. I did. I, I felt for him a little, I was trying to be a good coworker and a good friend and give him the benefit of the doubt of believing he ate the 10. Okay. Now, 
I would give him that benefit of the doubt of shoving number 10 in his mouth and counting that if he didn't peacock around the newsroom for two years claiming how easy this was going to be. He talked and talked and talked that this was not only going to be done, that it was going to be no problem doing this. And so therefore, that's why my official statement is the 10th Coney is under review. It's like the old 80s and 90s NFL commercials. You make the call. We should do that with Jeremy's 10th Coney. Bring in that IBM music. And we throw Jeremy's face on there, shoving the 10th Coney and then regurgitating it and letting people make the call. That I deserve that joke. I have an idea. I have an idea to decide this. I don't think Joey Chestnut has much to do right now. I think we call him, we let him watch the video, and he decides whether the 10th one counts or not by official food eaters' rules from the food eating champion. I'm down. Two points. I've That's looked good. up the official food eating rules, and by rule, <laughs> of, cor- of, of course, course I have. have. Yes, they're on Wikipedia, man. I looked them up, and by rule, yeah, you didn't do it. But yeah. if we get Joey Chestnut involved, can we like put him under the hood? You know, like yes. put him in a little zebra <laughs> hat under the hood and have Joey Chestnut looking out. Then he comes out I, on the field, taps his microphone to make sure it's working, and then makes his announcement. And how loudly Joey Chestnut would laugh at the idea of only doing 10 movies <laughs> in one city. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like I cannot overstate this. It was one of the toughest things I have ever had to accomplish. It, <laughs> I would rather you say, go try to run 26.2. And I might fail at that. Dude, I'm telling you, it was it was ridiculously terrible and tough. Meat I, I mean, meat shake. Dude, dude, I was shaking. I was sweating. You can't see it in the video. You needed like you needed to have like a heart monitor on me. I was not in a good place. This is why I was so adamant about it because working at Skyline for the better part of my teenage years, I understand there is a wall of cheese coney you cannot get through. It's the wall of cheese. Oh. It's the wall of cheese. It's different with cheese conies. I don't know what it is. There's other foods you can eat a lot of. Like you could probably yeah. crush 20 tacos and, and be fine. You can eat a whole pizza and be fine. There's something about the density of the cheese yes. coney. The the actual the whatever it is inside you know, I, I know, you know, it's it's chili, it's cheese, it's bun, and but there's there's something about that taste. Oh combination of cheese that starts to mess not only with your stomach it starts to mess with your brain i'm telling you the cheese coney (laughs) starts to mess with your head there's there's some kind of taste uh that the body just says enough can't do anymore and that's why i said the 10 i knew it from personal experience there's no way you can do 10 just because the body will push it back this is this is the perfect opportunity where i I do have to bring up our, our sponsor for this week, which is fitting. It's uh, it, it's about smelling people that smell bad. When you if you have eaten the ten cheese conies, or you've if you've worked oh. at Skyline, if you have that stench coming from you, you need to smell good. And you can go take a quick two minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you: one for work and one for play, and maybe one for offsetting coney smells. And they will take care of it and send it to you totally risk-free shipping, free returns. You can smell good. You cannot smell like conies. Jeremy, you don't have to smell like conies. Well, you can check out – you need to check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC. 
Get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. Use my promo code ATHLETIC. You get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co, Jeremy. You don't have to smell like conies for the rest of your life. I And listen, I love cheese conies. I do, but I would not want to. We have the 30-day free trial going on. So if you are listening to this and you want to uh, be a subscriber, 30-day free trial, still rolling on The Athletic, all of our coverage from everybody there. You say, eh, I don't know. They talked about conies most of the time. we got plenty of stories. Take 30 days. Think for yourself if, if you like it, and uh, you can subscribe. Otherwise, uh, you know, we just hope you enjoy the time. Uh, you guys have been great. I have enjoyed diving into the most important topics, mostly the ones at the end. Uh, and, uh, I, I look forward to us being able to do a show and let's do a show in person sometime soon. I want to come back to the studio. Yes. Always welcome PDJ. You're our favorite. Plenty of reasons to right around the corner. Hope I'll actually probably be seeing you guys in person in a couple of weeks. I hope. As I always say, when we have you on the show, elite Bengals conversationalist, Paul Dater Jr. Have you guys worked that into a lower third yet? We're going to next time. I want that guaranteed. We're working, on a spo- <laughs> we're working on a sponsor for it. Oh, okay. Um, Skyline. Yeah, we'll, uh... Skyline on board. Okay, yeah. what, I me, have to hammer like five cheese conies before. Let me hop in with one last thought here before we say goodbye. Yeah. The night we were going to play, so the day Jeremy did his 10 cheese cone challenge, we're in break before the start of the final quarter in which we're going to play the video of Jeremy eating the conies. What is the last commercial that airs before we come on? Oh, I no swear way. it happened. He looked it's up and looked, the look on his face was priceless. It was great. Yeah, you can't you serendipitous can't any better. That's awesome. Jeremy, condolences to your uh in your your uh organs. Uh, you know. I'm I'm close to being normal again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, I've been working uh, on it. Joe, congratulations on your ears that have gotten to enjoy the, the return of those. Come uh, on with tapes, it, no doubt. Uh, in recent days. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground.